Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, special episode. Sure, all the episodes are special, but today is different because today is the first guest I've ever had who is not a UCB-centric performer. Uh, his name's Dan Oster. He is a coach of mine over on a team at the Improv Space in Westwood. Um, good dude. We're going to talk about a lot of great improv stuff. You're going to get some knowledge. You're going to love it. Uh, real quick, I wanted to give a shout-out to the people who left reviews in iTunes. Please, everybody, leave a review in iTunes if you listen uh, because I want you to. I don't know. Uh, thank you, Puddinhead Wilson. Uh, thank you for rating it. And thanks, James Grabowski, who wanted to shout out his group, Tuffy. I think I've seen you guys before. It's a good good group. It's a young group. I love them. Keep on working. Keep on getting better. Uh, that's what this, this show is all about. Um, so uh, I guess that's it. Like I said, rate in iTunes. You can follow the, the blog at Tumblr. No, no, no. It's, uh, you can follow the Tumblr uh, at improvobsession.com. Dot com improvobsession.com I've been getting a lot of really good uh, feedback we'll say from anonymous people who who think I'm attacking Johnny Schwartzbein and uh, and uh, and I hate game so that's been a lot of fun uh, go go there to catch all the latest details uh, I guess that's it let's go ahead and get started with this episode with Dan Oster it's Cool. Let's get it uh, started. Oh, oh, one other thing. Sorry, before we start. Yes. Uh, there are a couple of things that I would love to plug. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the two things would be Lost Moon Radio and Titled Sketch Project. I was going to talk about Those them, are probably. the only two things that I, that I really care about plugging. So. Okay, cool. We'll make sure that we'll make sure that happens at the end. Uh, I always I give the opportunity. Fantastic. Promise. And is this a good distance? Yeah, you're fine. It's shotgun. I'll pick you Great. Great. Um, all right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, guest, Dan Oster. Hi, Dan. Hi, Steven. Uh, I uh, I bet my podcast is that fan annoying it's you. It's a nice fan. It is a good fan. I see, I, for, you guys can't see this at home. Steven's no, a can't. very nice tower fan. That was a birthday gift. Oh. Yeah. Well, someone knows you. Somebody knows how, really know you. how toasty I get and <laughs> how much I hate it. Like, I can't deal with you. Welcome to Fan Obsession. Yeah, that's uh, I have. I could, we could do 20, 30 minutes on this fan, uh, but we won't. Um, all right, so... I feel like my, my podcast a little bit uh, skews more towards the UCB uh, community, and you're you're the first like not UC like straight mostly UCB guy. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm excited. Not, I'm not straight, not straight, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do uh, lots of things at UCB. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so for for everybody, can you maybe I, I I feel like I know a little bit about where you come from, but uh, maybe do you want to tell people? Yeah, just so, sure, sure. Yes. Well, first of all, that's very exciting, I, and there's a lot yeah. of great people at UCB, and I know uh, a, a handful of them. Um, uh, my yeah, my background is I got I'm from Los Angeles, so I got started at a small theater that uh, originally was called Ultimate Improv. Now it's called the Improv Space, mm -hmm. which you know because mm -hmm. you perform shows there. Uh, I started there in about 2000, uh, taking workshops. 
Uh, pretty soon, after a little while, I was teaching high school classes. Uh, I eventually went to Boom, Chica- uh, yeah, Boom Chicago in, in Amsterdam. And uh, I was there for a couple of years, uh, which, uh, if you're not familiar with it, is an American improv and sketch theater in Amsterdam. Uh, and the last six months, I was uh, functioning as the assistant director and uh, performing there. Oh, I didn't know And that. writing there, yeah, yeah, do your yeah. research. And uh, then I, uh, I came back to Los Angeles uh, to do Mad TV. I was a cast member on Mad TV uh, after Boom Chicago, and that's why I came back. And now I toil in obscurity, uh, waiting for the world to posthumously recognize my greatness. There you go. So that's what I, that's what I do. And, I, and, and, and my <laughs> performing right now, my live performing, it's like I'm not doing a ton of improv, but I'm doing a little bit of the improv space right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I do most of my improv. Nice. Okay. Um, so there's, there's that. Uh, now people know Dan uh, very well. Uh, and uh, you should uh, go watch his stuff because it's great. Uh, uh, yeah, but we're gonna. Uh, so, so being being the the first person who's not like a, a good portion of our training in UCB, I feel like we have some great stuff to cover. Yeah. So I wanna I wanna talk. Uh, let's just you know what? Let's just give a let's just talk about maybe your philosophy on improv. Let's just try to get an overarching view yeah. of uh, the basics. Uh, you know. If it's if it's at UCB, it'd probably be explaining what game is and rap. Right. But what 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 are you what are you, what is your thing? Sure, um, and you know I yeah it's all it's all good. Every I think every theater focuses on something, and I think it, it really is all beneficial. Um, for me, I think if I were to articulate it, it would be that uh, if you thought of uh, improv as writing as a performance art, I would ri- I would underline writing, and okay. I would un- but I would also underline performance and, sure. and that would be key for me so it's important to me and arguably even more important to get controversial for uh, if you want yeah I would say for all your UCB listeners I are I would argue that connection like a real connection between the, the players on stage and a sense of fun and play like a real you know like a real like unspoken underneath the dialogue chemistry and play and fun are arguably more important to me uh, than game yeah that's not to say that game isn't important I hope you know me well enough to know now I do. Uh, that I think game is important but if I only get to pick one in a scene um, which you don't you, a good scene's got everything going I would very much rather see uh, people really uh, locked in and connected to each other and at that point you know I find I coach a lot of teams I coach three teams and I'm usually teaching a class at the same time uh, I find that I'm teaching acting uh, classes practically at a certain point. You know, there's a. My big influences are uh, Mick Napier and mm-hmm. Dave Rizowski, and those are guys that'll will definitely tell you, you know, a lot of stuff that's basically Meisnerian, you know, uh, in, in, in terms of acting philosophy, which is just like, my partner is everything to me and everything I get from them. You know, in acting, you. Good acting, basically. You know, they say it's reacting, right? And what they mean is there's an emotional conversation going on underneath the dialogue. Right. And that will change from performance to performance, depending on what's happening. So it's alive, you know? Yeah. And in improv, you have an extra element of that. You should absolutely have that. And then you, sh- and then you actually get to change the story and the words and the dialogue changes based on the immediacy of the moment. So you've got that going on as well. Mm-hmm. And if you can balance... Your spontaneity and your living in the moment and your strong character choices and consistent points of view, that that act that more actory stuff, and you can balance that with a clever, interesting game, mm-hmm. you've got the perfect improv scene. True. But I think that there's so much focus right now on structure and patterns that I feel like standing up sometimes and saying, like, that's not why we go to see shows. Sure. I don't go to see shows to have somebody explain an idea to me. I go to shows to see people live an idea for me. Right. You know? And if it's a good plot and it's a good uh, performance, then 
I'm there, very happy. There you go. Um, I just want a side note real quick, and I think it's I. I think it's funny, and I, I don't. I wonder if I'm just of the wrong generation or uh, ignorant. But I, I talked to talked to Besser, and he he said, well, I, I think I said one of the things he said was like, "What would define a good improv mm. scene to me is something something that could just be put up as a sketch the next day." And I was like, "I never thought of it defined as writing." And even you just said it. You kind of a little bit defined it in writing, and I just never think of it that way. I, which is just I actually weird had, for it's me. interesting because I actually listened to that. I yeah. listened to your podcast with Besser, and I want to say that I slightly disagree with him uh, okay, on that. Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. I think the general point of it is, is correct in the sense that, you know, you in, in a good improv scene, you're going to come out with a good idea, you know, yeah. a good basic game or premise that you can then uh, apply to a written scene. However, the difference to me in a good improv scene is you allow yourself some points of divergence and discovery mm-hmm. that are electric and exciting to watch misunderstandings, people interpreting things incorrectly, yeah. that you would cut out of the sketch when you wrote it up because the understanding of the audience at that point is that they're watching written material and we've seen sketches I think that have been derived from improv and it's not it's like a TV dinner it's warmed over and it's not as exciting but in the improv scene I love that moment so I disagree with him a little bit on that and I think that's a it's a key distinction to make on that point yeah I think well I even but I even think that is a little actually indicative of the different styles in a way like you know they're so game focused and stuff that there, there's not, there's not so much like the diversions and the weird miscommunications and whatever. Uh, whereas you, you're, if you're, if you're more focused on the connection and the, uh, the spontaneity, the fun of it, yeah, of course you're going to have that stuff, which would just be awful to watch in sketch. Like I don't ever want to hear any of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When that's in a sketch, you're just like, oh, you didn't edit your sketch. I got it. Cool. <laughs> you're, cool. You're, you're just <laughs> terrible at this. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so let. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna talk some, some more stuff about connection. I wanna let's. Oh. I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a clear route into this, and I lost it instantly. Sure, sure. Um, just, you got to build up to when you just nail me. It's you coming. I mean? yeah, it's coming. Right. You got to uh, get me complacent. Question number three. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be there. Um, no, release I, the tapes, <laughs> Mr. President. That's all I have to say. Um, so if we're so yeah, you have you have you're 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 big on this uh, idea of the the connection, spontaneity, fun in the scene. Now. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back you up a little bit on this one. Uh, you know that I'm UCB, and we've talked about the more, more UCB leaning, uh, and we've talked about this plenty sure. of times. Um, but I think one of the the points that I've start, I've started, to, I actually argued last podcast I did about this quite for a while was that print the one of the problems with uh, some one of the problem that I see happening in premise improv and that you pointed out to me and I'm starting to agree with more and more is if you come in with an idea of what's supposed to happen uh, you you lose a little bit of that uh, that making it up dynamic that uh, like you're not as engaged in like things won't surprise you and alter the scene completely as much. Yes, and uh, and that's that's I think that's something that I've noticed more recently. I was just, just last episode I recorded, we had like a half an hour on just going back and forth on this. It was it was really interesting, and I've never found myself defending the organic approach more in my life. And it was weird. Um, <laughs> that makes me very happy. I don't know if we made this clear. I coach Stephen. Yeah. So oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure I'm one of many uh, coaches, and uh, yeah. that you have, and that I, I, that makes me very happy to hear that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, but it, but it's interesting because uh, uh, the the counterpoint to that, which I also think is a very good counterpoint, uh, and that he was making, and mm-hmm. that I couldn't quite uh, I couldn't quite necessarily uh, dissuade, was if you have a good idea of something that's funny, 
why make it harder on everybody else to not just fall into that idea sure. and perform? The, obviously, you're adding something to it, but perform to the best of your ability. Yes. The funny idea. I, I, yeah, and that's <clears throat> that you're actually asking me that question because yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer it. Do it. Because um, <laughs> I, I am nothing. not against. I am not against coming in with. A premise. Sure. If you're, I don't believe that initiation and premise are synonymous, but you can come in with a premise. Absolutely, right. you know. Why do the opener? Well, let's. Sorry, sorry. No, okay, we're going to go back to that real quick, just to just to differentiate for everybody. Premise and initiation. Initiation could just be a line. Uh, it's Tuesday, for example. That and it means it means almost nothing. Whereas initiating with a premise will be like, uh, uh, you're, sir, you're diagnosed with farting every time you blink. <laughs> like that. That's that's a clear. I, and premise. that scene has to live. So there you go. You've got me. You've tried yeah. me. Like how can I not let that scene? Happen. Well, first of all, the way you just initiated that premise, that's definitely going to be used. Because if right. I'm the other person that's seen, I'm not going, I'm going to be working off of that idea, right? right. But if you've left error in your error, A-I-R, in your uh, premise there, I'm going to fill it in, Yeah, you know, with my own spontaneous interpretation of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think what will happen sometimes is somebody will be too polite on the other side. They'll be like, okay, this guy's going to come in, he's going to tell us his premise, and his, his premise is going to be a few lines ultimately before it comes out, and I'm afraid to give him anything because I don't want to dissuade him from what his funny idea is, yeah. and that's painful to watch. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as a vowel comes out of your mouth, I own as much of the scene as you do. And I'm not going to try to fuck up your idea. If you come up with an idea and we're locked in and connected, I'm going to try to play you know, with this thing. Right. And and so, yeah, if you come in with a clear thing, we'll do that funny thing. But you've got to also incorporate the DNA from the other parent. Mm -hmm. And if I throw something in that um, does not work completely, is not completely antithetical to your, your concept of what's going on, right. we can still do it. Right. Just be ad adaptable because I think adaptation and improvisation are synonymous and use the new stuff. Use the new, again, to use the, the genetic uh, analogy, DNA, to make your idea stronger mm -hmm. and less kind of incestuous. And your idea probably can still happen. Now, I do believe that the strongest improvisers are ready to drop their idea completely, if need be. Mm -hmm. And embrace something brand new. But that judgment call is, is part of what you train yourself to be able to make in, in, a, in a split second. Yeah. So, yes, you can. if you've got an idea and you want to go out and throw it out there, I say more power to you. I hope it happens. I hope it doesn't happen in the way that you expect 100%. Because you're going to be happier if you're surprised a little bit. And we still do the thing that you think is funny. But there's also discovery happening along the way. You'll be happier. Yeah. Because you're stuck in your brain all the time. Yeah. And you're bored in there. I'm bored in here. My brand always works the same way, right? It'll all these scenes about mad scientists and like guys that talk like this. But if you come in and I've got an idea for something and you give me something that's going to knock me out of that and I can still, you know, honor my own ideas and, 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 and offers. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great. And it's the same, the same basic idea comes to light. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's, that was a, a large part. What I was uh, arguing a little bit is that I don't, yeah, personally as a performer, and I think as an audience member, uh, I'm not, I'm not one. I don't think I'm having fun watching or performing scenes where I already understand the game and I'm ahead of it. Yeah, it's, it's never... it gets predictable. Yeah, exactly. And as an audience, the more they see improv, the more they're going to get ahead of the game. Yeah. And that's when execution becomes part of it. Right. Executing Which... the idea with skill and grace is is hard. It's not a formula. Um, there's things yeah. you can do to, to maximize your ability, but that's why we love things if it's done with skill. And I think. Adding things like emotional investment and commitment and strong uh, character choices and and surprising yourself those are things that make the execution of the clever idea more full yeah. to me. You know, I feel like 
just to, to close out maybe my uh, thoughts on this, you know, if you come in with uh, a, a premise and uh, we're truly uh, staying alive and organic with each other during that, you know, during that process, I think two good things could happen. One of two things can happen uh, that are good. One, we play your idea, mm. but we play it in a specific way that, that you probably didn't fully understand because of the discovery that happened. We still plan the idea, but we're playing, you know, it's not, they're wet farts. Yeah. You've been diagnosed with right. extremely wet farts, yeah. not just farts, sure. right? And that becomes the, the deal. Uh, or that premise, the farts premise, lays the groundwork for an even better, more interesting idea to come out of that very quickly. But it did lay the groundwork. It put us in a doctor's office. It put us in a world of farts. But now we've learned that, you know, there's something going on there that we as a group in the scene decide we like even more and we can diverge down that path. Sure. Um, I, I'm happy with either one of those situations. Does right. that make sense? Uh, yes, I can dig it. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to pick it apart so I can make you defend it more. Sure. But uh, I don't have anything, so I'll move on to another point that I can pick apart and make you defend. Great. Um, uh, so uh, I feel like what we do at the improv space on my team, Distant Relatives, every Friday at 1030 with uh, my favorite customer, 10 o'clock, go there, um, where is more uh, almost purely organic. And I don't, I don't know if that's the intention of how we do it, but that's how I started treating it because I don't understand how to do it. Um, but that's how I do it there. And... Um, I feel like there is a inherent danger in uh, organic, and mm. so in the in the. But same you say that as a negative, of course. I think people should improvise dangerously as a positive. But I, I, you're going to make a point, and I, I, I well, yeah, yeah. So if, if it's in the same vein, if if uh, if you're going with premise, you lose some opportunities yeah. to, for spontaneity, or or uh, or just perhaps the improviser misinterpreting a yeah. premise as funny. Like I've yeah. I've some I've, I've done it at UCB plenty of times. Like this is a very funny thing that's going to happen, and like we're playing it. It's like you guys don't understand how funny this is. Uh, what's your but problem? I, but <laughs> I, you know, just on that little tiny point I would say the quality of the idea is not that interesting to me it's always the quality of the support that makes it funny you know right. what I mean like your farting, oh, yeah. well, your farting another... idea is hysterical but let's pretend it wasn't for a second yeah. uh, if we all jumped on it a mediocre idea well supported will probably end up being funny you know I'm more interested in seeing that than a brilliant idea that's being you know crammed down yeah. our throat well that's a whole other thing that, sure, that's the, sure. the knock that's, that, that's the, the big knock on UCB more often than not is that they're, nobody's I didn't knock anybody <laughs> that's uh, well it's, it, I'm throwing it out there it's, uh, it's one that I've, I've heard plenty of times it's that no, they're, they're not performing Performers over there, they're they're writers uh, performing uh, or whatever, uh, and, I, and I find that to be a bit untrue. But I understand how it comes up. Well, any the, kind of blanket statement is 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 untrue about yeah. a theater or a, or a process. I mean, what you're saying, the uh, training doesn't emphasize that. Sh- sure, and again, you know, the, the, you, any one theater is going to have uh, is going to focus on one thing. So, to, to speak to what you said about distant relatives. It may be a failing on my part, or just the way that I am, that I focus, I have a tendency to get excited and focus about these organic, connection-based mm. moments of, of discovery. Uh, are they the only thing? Absolutely not. But they're what intrigue me more as somebody who's seen a lot of ideas. Yeah. Now, I've been around doing this for 12 years, which doesn't make me the oldest guy in the room, but, well, maybe the oldest room in the room for <laughs> sure. But uh, it definitely makes me kind of, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that. But I can see all those ideas and get excited about them if I feel, it's like a play. Again, think about it like a play. It's being performed by actors who are really in it. So even though it's 400 years old, it's alive again. Yeah. That, that, that uh, straight man, absurd man idea is alive again to me. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't go too far in any one direction. The goal, we all have the same goal, essentially. We're taking different paths there. But we all have the same goal, which is to master 
all of these things to have an appreciation of game you know and and comedic structure and have a good vocabulary and understand you know somebody was talking to me yesterday about five point scene structure I mean it sounded pretty heady to me yeah I, I had never even heard that before and I was like oh god I don't even know if I want to know that like that's yeah. even like I don't think every scene's going to adhere to that but having a concept and having a background and an a- academic knowledge of these things is very important and if you don't you end up with meandering scenes that go off into the uh, to space and, and have no point or shape and those yeah. are just as hard to watch as a scene that's drudging along and just joylessly explaining to me a funny idea yeah. those are two extremes and nobody wants to see either one of those things you know you want to be you want to be in the, in the middle you know? yeah. And the problem is, it's like religion. You get into an argument, and it's like, well, you people do this crazy shit. Well, yeah. you guys do that. Well, There's crazy you know, power. nobody <laughs> wants to be an extreme side of either one. So to say that UCB you know, is all writers is not fair no. and uh, not true. But the worst UCB scene is that. And yeah. the worst improv space scene is just a couple people who have like, never heard of game. Uh, it's a couple, you know what the worst improv space scene is? A couple people discussing how to sit in a chair uh, for three minutes. <laughs> right, because they, they moved a chair out to the middle of the stage. I've seen it. And then that became... Oh. And I need to police that more. You're right, it's you're right. Because it's like, we're going to move a lot of chairs uh, in, this, in, in, in this theater. Get over it. You know, like I, I understand that. But well, okay. yeah, exactly. So either side can have terrible uh, consequences. They can also have very cool transcendent scenes. But I bet you those transcendent scenes are borrowing from other For sure. Thoughts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, other schools you, of thought. It's got to have, you got to have a little bit of it. I think and the I best think... UCB improvisers are doing things that are often not, not full UCB. Stressed yes. at, at, that's at UCB. that's totally true. I, uh, um, we're going we're, we're gonna to get back to this organic thing, but you brought up a point that I thought was interesting that I wanted to. Uh, throw up to a conversation because uh, recently I heard um, somebody define say that people don't like songs anymore. What they like is performances. So, which was really, which I thought found really interesting. He was saying he defines a song is like as uh, uh, you know for Elise, like that's a song, and you can play it in a, in a million different ways. And so uh, that's counterbalance to your fart. Well, hold, hold on, hold for on. For at least, for at least, yeah, it's cars. <laughs> but but uh, a performance is uh, Katy Perry's recorded thing. That's Katy Perry recorded that one song, and that's that one performance captured. And people like that performance. Did she do for at least? Yeah, she did for at least. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no I'm sorry. Uh, but I, but I'm saying, but I, I'm just, I'm different. I'm, the point was that. Uh, there's a difference between a performance and a song, and I think it's interesting because yeah. Besser was saying like a really good improv scene to me could be written up as a sketch, which to me sounds like people like songs. Like it's this if you you can take you know for at least you can play it on piano or MIDI or yeah, guitar, yeah, and it's sort of the same thing where you can put the performance up, and you're, I think you're, you're sort of on that performance side, and it's like no, this is an individual thing that you'll you won't ever. So you're see. giving Besser for at least, and you're giving me Katy Perry. I mean. <laughs> I, I bet you Katy Perry's Not got more money. I, I, I bet Katy Perry's got more money. Um, but but but, do you, but I thought that I thought that was a really interesting dif- differentiation because I yeah. never actually thought of music like that. But then then you're saying that I'm like, oh yeah, it's actually sort of falling in the but same. But again, category. you know, you've given me a binary, you know, with two extremes, For sure. which again is sort of a false argument. I would say that a fantastic, a classic, great sketch can probably be given to less talented performers and, and do well because the piece is so strong, you know? Yeah. And similarly, you could take a not-so-funny sketch or a sketch that's not funny on paper, per se, mm-hmm. and give it to tre- tremendous performers, and they're going to really elevate it, right. you know, by putting something behind the words. And I think what's important to realize 
is that some of the best lines in an improv scene are not funny on paper. They're just lines, but it's where they are in the scene, how they're said in the scene, the amount of time, you know, the yeah. beat that's taken. And those are things that are not calculations. Those are things that are felt from the gut, from yeah. the performer. And they're not sitting there trying to map it out and trying to think about a desired endpoint for this scene. They're just in it. So, uh, yeah, it's I love, my favorite improv lines are the ones that if I just told somebody the line itself, it probably wouldn't be as funny. Yeah. That's, uh, I've, I've had to, I've explained some of those before. Like last night, I had a really, had a really good show, but, uh, maybe the second line of the whole show was somebody, so these two guys came out and they pulled up chairs. Uh, and the they, they one said, this is, these are the best seats in the house. And I ran up and I pulled up chairs and I said, these are the second best seats in the house. And I sat behind him. It's not that funny. It's not that funny. But the audience fucking loved it. They were like, yes, that is technically yeah, true. Yeah. He understands the world of improv. He's getting it. Uh, and it was like that, like that. It's like, it's not funny, but it's the it's the performance aspect of it. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Know, exactly. Makes it exactly. Work. But, you know, I mean, again, you know, the goal is to have both. You want to have both, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, I mean, if you just have part of it, you end up with, like, almost a... <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way over. I was like, you know, if I'm watching a scene and it's just, like, fun and connection and they're really following each other, but it's structureless, I, yeah. I still enjoy it. I, I mean, that's my guilty uh, confession. But it's like, it is like comedy pornography. You know, the story sucks. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> the story sucks, but the comedy is, is it's alive and it's visceral and it gives me, you know what I mean? I won't go too sure. far down the analogy yeah, because like, that's yeah, going to yeah, get me careful. in trouble. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> you can appreciate it on sort of this kind of crazy animalistic level. Um, but that's not... Going to win an Oscar, right? You know what I mean, and so you obviously want to have an understanding of uh, uh, be able to recognize. I mean, to discover the game organically to me is the goal. That's the hard thing, and it's because it's hard to do. There's been a you know a school of thought that is I think championed at UCB that tries to eliminate as much as possible the possibility of not catching the game to avoid those terrible scenes. Yeah, and I think that um, you lose out on better games when you're not finding them. A little bit organically, sure. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think I think I've said a little bit before that like UCB. I think the training there will help you understand how how to be funny in a in a way that is like robotic and not funny. Like you're gonna have to put a lot more on top of that training. It yeah. feels like. Uh, to me, like if you're, you're understanding game and structure and how to recognize it quickly, yeah, uh, and that and that's great and like and I think that's super important. And it is great. I mean, it is great to know that. Like, and I don't want to yeah. just sit no, here and, and, and take down a, a very uh, popular theater. Uh, yeah, I Which just want to stress that, that, that. Like, and I find that when I get a UCB performer into a class of people that haven't learned at UCB, uh, they often bring a lot of that with them that really helps and really yeah. kind of. And I should focus on that. Uh, and I don't do it enough. That kind of helps keep things on track. But then, of course, the things I'm working on them with are the things that we've been talking about. Right. So it's true. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I, I don't really know. Uh, the team that I'm on now, distant relatives. Uh, I don't know what the structure was before, how that team really was before. But I remember getting getting on that team, and then when it started, and then to like kind of where it is now. I'm like, oh, I feel like I might have shook up the team a little bit. Like just the dynamic of of having. Yeah, and you've said it before that that person who's much more concentrated on that structure. Yeah, well, I think uh, your, your willingness to to uh, incorporate, uh, you know, the, the fact that you you know consider yourself a student is good, and your willingness to incorporate these other ideas um, of, of more on the side of immediacy uh, have been to yeah. your benefit. But I absolutely think that you know you're bringing in um, a, a very uh, academic understanding, I think, of structure and heightening and second beats and ways to derive. Uh, 
premises from openers and things like that are important things to have. And, you know, like I, once yeah. you learn them, you've learned them. And that's why I, I kind of I let them get dusty in the back of my mind a little bit because, yeah. uh, you know, I get more excited about other stuff. I mean, I'm a total like sandal wearing, you know, hippie weirdo with this stuff. Sure. Like I do believe that it's that it's magic and i think that people that say that it isn't uh don't want to appear ignorant because when you when you admit that something's bigger than you or like hard you know hard to fully uh wrap your arms around you sound like you don't fully understand it but guess what you never fully understand anything michelangelo right up until his death was like i'm still learning you know how to paint you know and he wasn't being glib i mean he seriously felt that way and so when i'm watching you know, an improv scene where people are really in it. It's 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 art to me, and like art is never going to be just a thing. It's not just a means, you know, to to create a, a product or a, a sketch in the end. It's yeah. it's alive and visceral, and like it's like saying basketball is just a sport. Yeah. You know, I like to think of improv a lot of times as like a dance between two people or two or more people because I say to myself, well, uh, in a good dance, you're not looking at one dancer and like that guy's a good dancer, but that other guy's an idiot. You know, two yeah. guys dancing because that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> No, but you're not looking at one dance. It's hip hop. We're gonna say it's hip hop. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah, so anyway. they're dancing. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, you're not looking at one dancer and like that guy's great, and that other dancer is is not. You're like that's a great dance, and I think in a great improv scene, you're like that's a great scene, and everyone's connected, and it's alive, and it's magical, and it's bigger than us, and it makes the universe seem bigger to me. When there's when there's aspects of it too, the people are giving themselves over to something that they don't feel like they fully can uh, graph out as an equation. For sure. Uh, not to say that equation, you, you know, in basketball, you need to learn how, yeah. to, how, to, how to dribble and how to do layups and all that stuff. You know, in, in music, you have to learn the chords of how to play a guitar. But, you know. Yeah. The- when I watch good, when I watch good, for me now, what makes a good or great, great, great improv show is something where I can't believe it. Like, I can't believe any of it. Uh, and that and that sort of to me sort of speaks to the same type of like magic thing that you're like you're just like how is any of this oh, possible? No. I remember they're all great. Like, I watched it. I mean, this was years ago, but I remember and I you know <laughs> and it was it was years ago. And I thought I'd seen it all for some reason. And I was watching a, a musical improv scene between Tim Sniffen and Amber Ruffin, two tremendous performers. Mm-hmm. And you know, I thought that at that point I like I got musical improv. You know, you land on the joke. You know, set up the thing and then land on the funny it's word. Good, don't, you know, like yeah. that, like there's tricks like that. You know, and yeah. don't don't set up with the funny word. Land on the funny word. Land yeah. on the get. You know, uh, and I was like, that's what it is, basically. Blah blah blah. And I watched Amber and Tim, and and they were ghosts in a scene. They were dead, and and they were singing to each other. And I think I believe Amber said something about you know you're my baby or whatever. And then he said it, he responded in song and, and you know you be my Demi Moore, I'll be your Patrick Swayze. And I was like, oh, how is that possible? <laughs> they said that. He completed it, and it made so much sense, and it was so perfect. <laughs> you know, and you know you could probably break it apart, but at the end of the day, they were super connected with each other. And right. I'm sure Tim in his mind had a pull down menu and had Swayze floating around up there. But yeah. they were locked in. He heard her say it. He wasn't back there crafting a funny uh, verse. While she was talking, he was letting it in. Yeah, and he had that thing. He had hip pocketed right. that idea and and probably dropped it. I'm sure that's what happened. But when I watched it, man, I was like, I don't know anything. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know that's, nothing. That's that's when it's good. Like, you're just like <laughs> I can't. I, yeah, that's uh, those all these other shows almost make me mad at improv because I'm like, I'll never be able to do that. 
That joke was so good. Well, that's the crazy thing because you can't. It's like if it's going well, you almost feel like you can't take credit for it. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I feel like we're conduits and ownership and ego of ideas. Uh, I think this is a Rosowski thing. We'll, we'll, we'll screw you up every time. As long you know, if you let go of your ego and you let go of feeling like you have control of ideas, there's no limit to what you can accomplish. And I think the best scenes, you come out and you're like. I really don't know how that happened. I don't know. I don't know where you know who's you know whose body part that was in this you know to get pornographic yeah. again. Like I just I can't figure out you know <laughs> what was happening there and who was setting up what and who was landing what. I was just in it, and you do get to take credit for it because the truth of the matter is you you it's different parts of your brain that are firing. They're just not the conscious parts. Right. So you do do it, but it doesn't feel like you did it because it came from a different. It didn't come from the front of your brain. It came from the back of your brain where all the good stuff is. Yeah. The ninety percent of it that's. Like yeah, really full of good stuff. Yeah, that's uh, uh, uh again, yeah, just whenever I feel like I enjoy a scene, sometimes it's a, a fast scene. It's like where, where did how do we get that? Like yeah, I yeah, you can't I've, think one that of fast. my favorite. You just can't think that fast. Yeah, one of the best shows I ever did was like for some reason a, like a thirty-five minute mono scene, and I, I loved the whole the whole fucking show was great, and I couldn't believe it. But I just remember like going like. Where did all that come from? Like, I know we kept on hitting all these jokes and great things. I have no clue where it came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that, that's, yeah. That's Apparently there's a that. biological uh, component to it. Uh, my girlfriend's reading a book, um, which I guess I'll inadvertently plug. I haven't read it, but she loves it. Uh, <laughs> Imagine How Creativity Works. I think it's Oh, that's like, on my wish list on yeah, Amazon. Yeah, it's like a thing. And uh, uh, don't get too uh, technical when you start learning how your own brain works. That's going to put you in an institution. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go down that rabbit hole. But I, I think she was telling me about something she was reading in it. Uh, in it specifically about improv which is addressed in the book and uh, how the prefrontal cortex uh, in your brain develops after you're like 10 or 11 or something starts to develop so that's why kids like don't what it does is it like causes you to second guess it's sort of an evolutionary thing it makes a lot of sense like sure. should I eat this berry or is yeah. it going to kill me you know kind of a thing second guessing your impulses it basically is an inhibitor um, so kids don't do that obviously that's why they you know chew on the ability to foresee die. potentially bad things yeah yeah exactly so you start second guessing but yeah. it, but you know the brain is a living thing and you can train it and rewire it this is why practice makes perfect and so in improv, you're actually routing around that part of your brain to a certain extent, and you're allowing pure impulse to happen. It takes time, of course. You know, you 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 put in, you clock the hours, you do the shows, uh, but eventually, there's a biological change that happens when you're in that situation. Your brain recognizes that you're in the situation where it needs to go directly to your mouth, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to let's route it through the fear matrix, yeah. and, you know, self judge and feel like an asshole and. That slows you down anyway. That's like a, that's a it's a divergence anyway. That's gonna you're gonna come out slower when you're thinking. But when you're just letting pure impulse happen, uh, you're faster, and that's what's probably you know theoretically what's going on in your brain. So I find that interesting. Like yeah. you develop that. I'm like, I guess that's one of the reasons people get better at it. They just they they get they route around right. that specific yeah. part. Yeah, that's uh, uh, there, uh, there's a there's a Dell quote that was out there. It's like everybody should be like paranoid raving freaks or whatever it is on the stage. Uh, and I think that, in a weird way, that I think that speaks towards it. It's like just you should be you should be saying whatever's right on your tongue, right. whatever you're thinking. Yes. However, no even filter. if it's terrible, no filter. Yeah. And and I, it's funny. I got I remember I had Tara, Tara Copeland was one of my coaches, and uh, she was on the podcast before. But she she said to me once, like you, I watch you. Stop, avoid saying something 
and I and and then and then if it comes, I watch and then I watch you say it later, and I it's really funny. But it would have been funnier if you just said it when yeah, you said it, yeah, and yeah. I was like when you wanted to say it, but you stop yourself. Well, I think it's Keith, and John- you're like, Dude, this, Keith like- Johnstone, you know, in, in his book Impro, which is a good one, you know, to start out on. I think if you're like you know just learning these concepts for the first time, sure. talks about Skip that. You know, reasons comedy. we don't, uh, we aren't spontaneous. Reasons we slow down, and and uh, you know, one of the things, he, one point he makes, and I think he's right, is you'll stop yourself, you'll wait. And then you'll say what you were going to say anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, why? Yeah. Why do that? Yeah. It's <laughs> why not weird. just say what you were going to say anyway? Yeah. That's a, it's a weird. It's a weird thing that happens. Uh, you know, improv's hard. So, that's, I mean, it is. I think bad scenes are hard. Good scenes are easy. Uh, okay. I know that's a that's a that's a glib thing to say, but you I don't know, think that's true. What I what I mean. I don't is, think good scenes are necessarily easy. Uh, I think that bad scenes are more work. You're doing more physical. Oh, work for sure. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're not realizing that in doing that work, you're making the scene less likely to succeed. Yeah. Whereas in a good scene, it shouldn't feel like work. Yeah. It shouldn't. I think good scenes don't feel like work. Yeah. I, I do believe that. I'll, I'll make that blanket statement. Sure. Okay. You might end up having to like have a moment where you have to make a quick connection or whatever. It shouldn't feel like work. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that, that I really do believe that, and like when you, I mean, yeah, you know, if you, you, there's times you come off stage and you're like, ah, oh, that, that, you know, that was tough. It probably wasn't a good scene. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's always, it's always like, yeah, it always feels really hard when they're not good. Uh, that's for sure. Um, all, right, all right, well, I'm gonna, I guess, screw it. Yeah, let's try to, let's try, try to talk about the, the. The pitfall, though, of I think of, of organic, yeah. uh, and that, and I think that's that that's the chair scene, uh, and that's the, uh, and I, I'm gonna. So you get the fart scene, and I get the chair scene. You, yeah, th- we're this the worst. Is, these are straw men. <laughs> but, yeah, totally. There's, none of these arguments are valid on this podcast, but it's, uh, it's hopefully to it's hopefully just to get people thinking about these things. Uh, and and I, like I said, the, I think I think the chair scene is that the almost. The maybe too connected or or something like that, which isn't real a real thing, but it's that moment when the performer yes. p- moves out a chair and the and sure. the towards the stage, and then somebody says something like, "Oh, this means I'll, I'll have a seat," like, and then the person goes, "Oh yeah, yeah you have a seat." Like yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah, what you, yeah. uh, and that and that's the second um, best seats. Uh huh. <laughs> the second best seats. Wait, but you said seat. that was good. Ah, yeah. uh, my brain. <laughs> How did that work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. Um. So so that like. Wh- I think I think that I think that that happens, and I think that the where that comes from, if I if I had to guess, was people uh, trying to stay locked in, which is good, but uh, still being unconfident in their choices well, or making not strong, confident choices there, uh, and go, maybe going going off the last thing, but maybe not bringing something new to it or emotion or adding or whatever it is. Well, I don't do, I don't do the chair scene. And so maybe that's the question. Why don't I do the chair scene if I'm Mr. Organic? Right. Mm -hmm. I think the reason is not just because I've seen that a hundred times and it's, it's stupid and I know where it goes. Uh, I think the reason I don't do it is because you can take implication from people. Why, why do I have to see it as a chair? Why do I have to see what he's doing as, as him moving a chair? Why can't I see how he's carrying himself and let that inspire me? Right. You know, the groundlings will tell you that dialogue is the least uh, interesting way to convey information. You know what I mean? So why, why am I pulling uh, Stephen's moving a chair from this when I could be pulling, you know, Stephen uh, is looking down and is hunched over and he's, and he's doing this thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Maybe that tells me something. And I don't know what it means yet, but I'm going to pull that. You know what I'm saying? Like, why does that be so literal? Yeah. Why do I have to literally be, see a black chair on a black stage, you know, in front of a black audience? Because we probably <laughs> the Apollo. No. Yeah. Because this is what we did. Yeah. Hey, no, but <laughs> why do I have to see things as they are when I could be pulling deeper, more uh, um, interpretive 
things from it. And I yeah. think that's that comes with time. You know, I think you get more comfortable with that uh, more scenes you do. And that would be my answer to that, I yeah. think, to a certain extent. Yeah, maybe I'll pause and wait till you get the chairs in place. But don't take forever to move the chair. Because if, if you move that chair for more than, like, two seconds, I'm going to have to use what you're doing. Because yeah. people are watching us. Yeah. You know? And, like, that's a problem, too. I'll see, like... Scenes where people will like slowly put that thing together because like the scene hasn't started, folks. Uh, you'll hear my initiation in a moment. It's like, well, dude, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, lights are up, yeah, get those things out there, you know, yeah. So you know, I don't like to see the, those those strings in the scene. I want that scene to start as soon as the friggin' uh, flare, or not flare gun, the the the, the blank goes off in, in the race, you know, in the gun. <laughs> I, I want to see that scene go right away. I want to yeah. see, you know, I don't want to see. This makes me, people think I'm nuts about this. I don't want to see people point to other people and tell them to come on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mind that you want that person to come on stage and do it with you. But if you show me you're pointing at them, I just it just it's the strings. I see the strings. Why can't you just make eye contact with them? Why can't you initiate your scene in a verbal way that makes it clear that you you're calling back to that person? Yeah. It's just it's just more elegant. It's yeah. just it's just cleaner and um and so why, a, why, why, not, why not do that? And so there's this thing about we're taking a long time to set up our scene or you're going to show me me pointing people or even worse, you're going to move a chair, grab a person, put them in the chair. I'm just like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, is that a Boom Chicago thing? Is that where that is that where you got that influence? I'm oh, curious. This, this thing that this, I'm saying? Yeah, that you're talking about here. This, I don't think it's an inherently Boom this, Chicago thing, okay. but I, I promise you this, that Boom yeah. Chicago, I mean, Boom Chicago had friggin' bells on the ground, like those bells you had in a hotel yeah. that you would hit with your foot and it would go ding, and like, from the ding, that scene's started. Yeah. And we all thought it was silly uh, at some level, but yeah. it, it, it did get, it gave you a literal gu- like gun going off, it's like you know, going, like yeah. the scene is going, and it should be like that, because... Yeah. You know, if, yeah, it, we're, we're discovering stuff, man. I never get comfortable, never be comfortable in the scene in the sense of uh, never uh, be convinced you know everything. You know, you have to act like you know everything. Yeah. That you have to bullshit and, and appear as though you know everything. But you don't want to know everything because you want to be, you know, you want to continue to stimulate the gray matter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, um, uh, I had, I had a Brian Jack as a coach who's a boom Chicago guy uh, for a while. I know and, Brian very well. Yeah. Uh, Good guy, great coach. Awesome, um, awesome guy. He, uh, yeah, he was cool. Um, he, he was her team. He, he was like, I remember him just like clapping at her at like our rehearsals. Like, all right, next scene started, it's starting, it's starting. And I was like, oh, that's okay. why maybe you're and wondering just, if it's a boom Chicago. That, yeah, guy. yeah, exactly. And I've, I've had, I think I've uh, noticed that Heather too. Heather Campbell does the. Well, she's and, and she's a great example of a of a tremendous UCB performer in, in the sense yes. that she performs regularly at UCB and she's doing tons of stuff. Yeah. that she's pulled from her experience at Meow at Northwestern and at Boom Chicago and yeah. all this stuff. She plays tons of characters, all sorts of great stuff. She uses her environment. I mean. You know, so yeah, I mean, you're pulling these things from everywhere. Is it an inherently a Boom Chicago thing? I will say that Boom Chicago, to really answer your question, is a sort of a finishing school where you learn showmanship. You yeah. learn, you learn. It's a pol- It's very pol- everybody's oh, they're so fucking polished. Right. It's like it's it's really because you're doing all these damn shows in front of these giant audiences. You have to kind of maintain their attention. Yeah. And what I learned, one of the things I learned there about was hosting. Yeah. I was like who thought? I thought I can't. I can't just shuffle on a stage and look at my feet with a Red Bull and be like, okay, can yeah. I? Like, dude, if you're I, not interested in the show, I'm not interested. But at Boom Chicago, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yeah. Boom Chicago. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's crazy. But there is something about that about standing your ground, holding the stage. You don't have to be, you know, the movie phone guy yeah. and like super presentational. But you should be an engaged version of yourself and really know how to command the audience's 
uh, yeah. attention. One of the and that's a that's definitely a Boom Chicago thing. Yeah, one of, show. One of the best show intros I think I've ever seen was from Colton Dunn, and he was with uh, another performer, Jacob Womack. And Colton too. You know Colton too. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Colton and Colton's also did Boom Chicago and a bunch of other yeah. stuff. He's very and talented. We're Mad TV together. Yeah, yeah, Mad TV, and now Key and Peele, I believe. Um, and he and is on this podcast. Uh, and he he did this. He he did like where they're doing like a little bit of like a monologue thing. They got a suggestion. They just started. Or it was like a living room thing. The two of them were just kind of talking it out. Uh, but he was also being very presentational about it. And then his his Womack said something. Uh, I don't know if it was controversial, but for some reason the audience went, Ugh. and he he was like he kind of he kind of like engaged the audience and goes, all right, let's try to figure out like what would you guys do. And I just I remember being like so impressed by that because like if if that happened in my living room opening, I would just shrink away a little bit, and I don't know that I would go to the audience and that and like that like it's that real command over an audience uh, is yeah. something that is one not really required in that like the indie community the indie improv community as it is uh but it's something that like you're like oh i guess you kind of do need that to like well you know pull off some stuff it's easy to feel like they're you're there and they're in charge of what's going to work and what's not and there's this whole thing lately where people are like so if the audience laughs at it um that means that it's working you know it's like fuck you these rubes (laughs) are you kidding me i'm the expert (laughs) you know no i like i know the audience is just a bunch of people who come there to have a good time and i respect that but they're not going to tell me what's what's good and what's uh, funny or what's appropriate. I'm right. going to tell them, and if they don't like it, they yeah. can suck it. You know, as far as I'm concerned. For and sure. like, you know, you can be bigger than the beast. I mean, some of the great moments, one of the things you learn from Chicago that you ne- almost never have to pull out. You pull out like once every three years out here is shutting down a heckler. Yeah, you know, and like I remember telling somebody that like I was going to go down there and like stick my dick in his ear, you know, if he didn't shut up. I mean, it made sense in the context, sure, I could say. But like <laughs> he was getting up to fight me, and his friends were trying to keep him down, and it was unfair because I'm on stage and everybody, you know, is looking at me, and I got a microphone. And yeah, like, there's no way I can lose, buddy. I don't have to be smart. I just yeah. have to like immediately start shutting you down. Yeah, you know, you learn all sorts of tricks like hanging a lantern on somebody. Like for example, if you know someone shouts at dildo, it's like okay, dildo guy over here, take it easy. You know, we got it. You know, something. It's not up in your uh, up your ass or whatever. You kind of hang this lantern over this dude, and so if he hacks up later in the show, it's like, oh, wait, what do you know? It's dildo guy again. What yeah. a shock, you know? And now the audience is turning on this guy that you've, yeah. you've created a context in which he's the world's biggest asshole. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can get him like on the count of three. Let's all turn to dildo guy and say, shut the fuck up. One, <laughs> two, three. You know, and yeah. when the whole audience is like turning on you and saying that, that shuts him up. Yeah, you better believe that shuts a guy up. Yeah, you know. So you have you know you have more control. You're, it's your your show. You're in my living room. We're oh, yeah. the time, but you're in my house yeah oh yeah the, the control over an audience uh or it just and and yeah that that's uh, it's always been impressive to me like i've always been i feel like i've always been pretty good at if i say something that gets an uh, an r or like a, like that's an offensive thing I, i'm always pretty good at milking at least one other joke out of it uh, and i don't I, I don't know where that comes from but i'm, I'm always really proud of it uh i don't know why i'm talking about this because uh, it has nothing to do with your point Great. No, 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 just no, one no. Bust. no. But uh, I've seen you do that too. Like, uh, it, can, it doesn't have to be all like bravado. I mean, like, I think you can do self-deprecating stuff, which yeah. I've seen you do as well, which is yeah. awesome. I mean, and that speaks to the point of when you're hosting. When, and you're specifically in host mode you're not doing like a monologue but you're in host mode it's an improv scene between you and the audience right. and so they're giving you stuff and you can work off of that you right. know what I mean and that's a wonderful thing you can you can get a suggestion from somebody say and but they might you know why'd you say that like yeah. that's weird what made you say that or like you can start or, or you can treat the audience as a whole entity and start so for example they go oh yeah. well treat that like your partner just went oh yeah. and it's like alright 
you know, yeah, you let's play with that. And so you yeah, can't let it go. It's so interesting. So again, that I've happens. seen you do plenty of that thing where you, you you generally shut yourself down, which I often think is the funniest way to go. You know, like yeah. shut yourself down. You know, Daniel Tosh could take a lesson from that. But uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Daniel Tosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think if he had said, I it said, wouldn't it been hilarious if five guys came out and raped me right now? That <laughs> would have gone over much better, and I think it would have been a funnier image. But I, <laughs> personally, it, you know, yeah, he'll get there one day. Yeah, someday he'll be on my level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Daniel Tosh. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right. Well, then let's. All right. So, all right. Here, here's uh, here's my gotcha. Uh, oh shit! Here yeah, it comes. You got me complacent. Yeah, because I'm because I'm, I'm interested. And you t- you talked about this before. He's <laughs> ready to fight. You I, got my the knees wrestling, are bent. I'm ready. Wrestling position. Uh, you told you told me that the, the the guy you learned improv from you hated. And I thought oh that Jesus! Was, well, good. I hope he's listening. I don't think people any people listen to this show. Uh, <laughs> That's where you're wrong, Steve. Um, is that I, I, I want that sounds right, really well, interesting okay. to me. Well, if you don't, uh, if we don't want to talk about no, this, well, we can skip uh, it. To an extent, I should clarify it. Um, he would find that amusing, I think, actually, on, sure. uh, on some level. But I'll say that the context of this is Stephen and I were having a chat after a workshop, yes. in which uh, you know we were talking about some 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 you know some teacher student stuff. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, is this uh, grading on you, Stephen? You're not liking this, you know, blah blah blah. And I and I and so the context of it was like, hey, buddy, you know, yeah. I get it. Like, so maybe I'm not going to be your friend all the time. Maybe I'm going to give you stuff that's going to sound hard, but that's my job. You know, right. I'm being paid to give you difficult notes. So that was the context of it. Right. Um, and I may have overstated it to make a point. Sure. You know, yeah, I, I think the lar- you know, the, the larger issue is that, um, you know, that happened. I think that's a, he told me before we uh, kind of had, a, we, we've since kind of reconciled, I should point sure. out. But before we had a falling out, you know, he told me like that that was going to happen. I mean, he really told me like, oh, that happens with, you know, teachers and, and students over a long period of time. So you'll think you'll re- what he said was you'll realize that I'm full of shit someday yeah. is what he said to me. And uh, I don't think that's true. I don't think he's full of shit. And, of course, the sad irony of life is I, uh, I often find myself being that guy now. You know, I'm, I'm Darth Vader, you know? And, like, yeah. and uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm making these points facetiously because I, I don't hate the guy. Uh, but we did have a strange relationship for a while for a number of reasons that I don't need to get into. Yeah. The larger, I think, point that maybe your listeners would, would probably relate to a little bit more is the strained relationship between somebody whose job it is to give you notes, sometimes yeah. things you don't want to hear, sometimes things you fundamentally disagree with and you'll never agree with. Yeah. Um, and somebody who's your friend and is rooting for you and is on your side and wants you to get to where you, you can ultimately be. Right. It's the coach it's the Tiger Woods dad problem. It's the coach, you know, things like, like, you know, and, and, and that's, and that's, uh, I think pro- it's probably largely a product of that, of that experience. Like he beat the fuck out of me. Um, but now I am a performer who is not afraid to do anything. Yeah. That was his big thing. You know, don't, you're not, you can't be afraid to do anything on stage. You're not allowed to say, I don't do that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I didn't think that that was something that people debated because of him. You know, that's what I learned. That was the dysfunctional uh, family that I grew up in. And um, I still believe it, actually. But it's interesting to run into people who say, like, oh, I don't do this. I don't, do, I don't sing. You know, that's a common one. I don't improvise singing. You know, they'll find ways to get out of it stuff in the scene. Yeah. And he taught me, man, you don't do that. And I, I you know, I am grateful for that. I yeah. think he, he that, that, if that's the one thing I took from him, I think I took more than one thing. That is a huge thing. And yeah. it's important because your contract <clears throat> with the audience, I think, to use a term that he would 
would use is not that you're uh, capable of doing everything or that you're good at everything or that you know everything. Your contract with the audience is that you're willing to do anything and yeah. be bad at it. So, yeah, that's sort of, that's sort of, yeah, I think that's sort of the agreement when you go see improv. Is you could see anything and because that, it's all being made up. Yeah. You could see anything. Yeah. So if, if something's going to, should be happening or something is expected to happen, it better happen. Yeah, I mean, singing is the big no... one. Watch that scene when someone sets up someone to do a song and then the song doesn't happen. Yeah. I think you should be allowed to say, fuck you and walk out of the theater. <laughs> I think I, anyone who hears this, do that, please. Because, <laughs> you know, come on, it's put out there. I mean, one of my other big things that I, that I like to say is we just want to see ideas grow. Yeah. Just think of it that way. I just want to see ideas grow. So if you put out the idea that, like, well, you're a singer, yeah. that's an idea. I want to see that shit grow. Yeah. And what's the logical way to grow it? Sing. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree completely. So. There's, there's, uh, but there's, there's nothing more uh, funny of a look from that than you get give to an improviser uh, when it's like, okay, we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, lay down a track and that face that they give you, we're like, all right, we're in the recording studio. Oh, the mic's go not ahead. working. Uh, oh, it's not working. <laughs> oh, it, there's so many reasons to oh, not God, do I'm it. I'm uh, I can't, I can't. Yeah, and, and you know what, though? I mean, it's, it's what's funny is like, and I've, I've, I've had to do this as a, as a rapper so many times and I don't know why, uh, but it's like, if you even if you don't pull off like a good rap, if you just do it, if you just like commit yeah. the fuck, people are like, yeah, you did they it. They love you for doing it. They love yeah. you for your, your guts and I think what's interesting is commitment retroactively makes everything you do good yeah that's the thing failure is a choice that you make because you choose to know the outcome yeah you know and you're like it's easier for me to know that I'm gonna fail so I'm just gonna not try versus risking failure right but of course the irony is if you risk you won't fail because you'll be an asshole and everybody loves that guy you're just well actually you know the, one of the largest uh, things that concerns me is the movement towards being cool as an improviser because that's nothing's less cool than being funny in my opinion you know what I mean feeling silly and goofy and like sure. willing to risk looking like an idiot but like that, there, yeah. there's, there's a huge cool factor going on and, and that's bullshit man that is yeah. bullshit nothing will make you less willing to take risks than wanting to be cool yeah. you got a choice to make that's, and like we didn't yeah. grow up cool that's not why we got into this. Yeah. So so don't yeah. don't be the don't have fat kid syndrome and suddenly when people start telling you you're you're hot shit, buy into it. Yeah. Like, no man, you're not cool. You're funny, and that's better than being cool. Yeah. You know, but it, there's a big thing now. Like we're we're cool guys and like attitude is, is being prioritized over actual uh ability and willingness to uh to be yeah. foolish. Yeah, I, I can think of some teams. Yeah, uh, yeah we all know them. We all uh, know them for sure. Uh that's why that's why uh I Jason who's on uh Distant relatives with me. He does these monologues, and I, I'm always so impressed with them because he, distinctly he, uncool. He, he, yeah, he's just absolutely no fear, and they're so funny and they're so good. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah every time, I'm like, I'm so impressed. I've with had that. some. Like, I can't believe this is happening moments during yeah. his monologues, and I'm like, like great. Like, wow, he, you're really gonna tell he's me that on, story. and it's like, and it, if it makes him look bad, he goes for it. But it's good. Yeah. Man. Um. All right. Let's uh. Let, let's see. Last. Let's last little thing here. Let's. Sure. Uh. You, you got to get out of here pretty soon. Here. I'm fine on time, but I know that people are falling asleep listening to this. So oh. you, you Stop it when you want. I got, right. I got time. All right, so I got uh, uh, here's here's a thing that I've, I've been going through, and it luckily it just, uh, slumps slumps. I feel like that's part, almost inherently part of improv. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been going through a little bit of a slump before, and last night I did a great show, and I was so happy because I'm like, I'm out of my slump. Uh-oh. Now I can Uh-oh. do good shows again. Uh, and so I want maybe maybe a little talk about that because uh, sure. like boom, uh, which I, I think is interesting because you you're it's a unique situation in which you're doing you know up to 
12 shows a week or something yeah. crazy like that. Uh, it feels like uh, maybe you have some insight on some stuff. Yeah, I do. I do, actually. I mean, for one thing, just to, to get back to, like, sort of uh, psychology and, like, how the brain works, in my opinion, you know, you can't not... <laughs> how the brain works, in my opinion. Yes. Uh, uh, sentence. Great. Okay. Uh, yeah, that is that does sound pretty egotistical. Uh, how I intend for the brain to work. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, you can't not think of something. Uh, you know what I mean? It's the old white, ele- uh, white elephant thing or whatever, or white bear. Like, don't think of a white bear. Okay. Well, you immediately think of a white bear. Well, if you're thinking about being in a slump and you want to kind of put it out of your mind, you can't. What you got to be is okay with it. You got to be okay with being in that slump. Like, great, I'm in a slump now. I'm going to own that and just deal with it, and it'll p- naturally kind of p- pass through on its own. Yeah. That's my one. That's one way to look at it, in my opinion. But if you're constantly trying to like repair the slump or attack it in some very conscious, like I can control this thing kind of a way, I think you're only going to make it more deeply ingrained. You know, athletes deal with this problem. You know, of course, yeah, it's a big athlete so thing. You know, pitchers and, and there, yeah, yeah, they just just implode. And sometimes they never come back because they get really concerned about it you can't control that it's happening you can't control that you're thinking about it but you can control your reaction to it right and being cool with it and dealing with it that on that level um it's hard when you're getting paid millions of dollars on a professional sporting contract but uh it should be easier for free improv right (laughs) and it'll and the stakes are so low it's just just crazy make-em-ups right it'll probably naturally work itself out that's my prescription for that i would say at boom chicago you start out in a slump I mean, you get there, and it's like you're way, you know, you're in another country. Um, it's a giant, it's a 300 seat theater. They got lasers. I mean, like, <laughs> this is not performing on top of a milk crate in Los Angeles for five people. This is yeah. like a big deal. And of course, you're going to have, and you're in a suit, and all this weird shit's happening. There's all this technical stuff. You're wearing a microphone. Of course, you're going to have an adjustment period, and you're going to start out sucking. And of course, you just got paid. You're getting paid now. You got hired. They got, you got flown to Europe. I mean, the, the, the stakes feel very high. Um, but what will end up happening is then you'll have a good show and then yeah. you'll be back in your slump and then you'll have another good show and you'll be back in your slump and on the wave of it if you're looking at it like a, you know, like a radio frequency you'll note that the slumps get shorter and shorter and shorter as your comfortability naturally increases and it naturally gets better yeah. again I think it's a natural process working your way out of a slump that's what, that's what I believe I don't think there's really much you can do about it other than to be cool with it and to continue to try to have fun and fuck around and yeah. not worry about it as much as, as, as you know just let it go I mean I think about improv, and you know, my big uh, breakthrough with it is that it's about um, letting go. Yeah, it's about letting go, and and, and you know, my girlfriend uh, is so good at that. She's a good actress because she's uh, willing to let go. And and in life, sometimes it makes her you know maybe stop doing things before before she should. You know, because I think the traditional male side is I have control, I seize control. You know, I'm Superman. I can I can juggle planets. You know, um, and I think it, improv in many ways is about letting go. Uh, as much, if not more so, than uh, probably more so than about seizing control. Definitely yeah. more so than about seizing control. And uh, yeah, so I, th- I would again trying to control a problem like a slump, doomed to failure. Yeah. Letting it kind of work itself out, probably the prescription for success, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I've been. Uh, it's, it's it's sort of a similar thing, and actually, whatever. I'm on I'm on this team uh, of people. That are, it's a good team, uh, but I I've, I started to feel like I was the weak weak link on the team. Uh, and that one, that and that was a similar similar situation uh, because I was like, I was so stressed out about it. I'm like I gotta do good, I gotta do good, and then I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just gonna be like the least good guy on the team now, and that and that and that helped a lot in a weird way, just to go like, Absolutely. I'm gonna come in, that doesn't surprise I'm gonna me do my all. best, I'm gonna do whatever I can do, but it's like they're they're faster than me, they're you they're know, smarter like, than like me, they're sets, better at game than it me. It's so often that, it, that it's trite and people forget it, but it's worth repeating and really understanding. You know, you can forget everything you've ever learned about improv, and if you just remember to go up there and have fun, 
you're going to do fine. Yeah. And uh, I really do believe that. And I think people go like, okay, that's something you tell kids to get them up on stage. Like, yeah. Just have fun. It'll be fun. You just you play around. Jay Leto was my Jay yeah. Leto was my teacher, and I ended up hating him. Okay, there it's out. Uh, but uh, no, it's true. And then I, I come back to it now with with uh, years behind me, and I understand it even more. Which is like, no, like all this technical stuff is fun to do, and you've got to remember, it's like not don't just use what your partner said. Have fun with using what your partner said. Really enjoy it. You know, right. use it in a way that really gets you happy. And if you're worried about stuff and you're worried about where you're placed on the team and you're worried about if you're going to make it onto another team or something like that, it's hard to have that kind of fun and you won't do as well. But if you kind of just acknowledge, you know, these are the things I'm concerned about. They're there, whatever. I'm just going to go up there and fart around and be the worst guy in the world. You'll yeah. do better. I mean, that's what it's about. No one ever got good at doing something they didn't enjoy. Yeah. No one became a master at something that they, that they hated doing. No one. In the history of time sure that's never happened yeah that's uh it's, it's the same it's on the same point like i did the auditions at the improv space the first time around got on team distant relatives uh every friday at 10 30 <laughs> and uh uh but i got on, and I, I had i had an, i had an okay audition and i think i did good enough because i got on the team but then i did a second time around and you were there for that uh and i did way fucking better because it's like well it means absolutely nothing to me yeah, I, yeah. i'm already on a team it's not like i'm gonna yeah you totally <laughs> cheated you were like totally more relaxed than everybody else there. all i could do was win <laughs> All I could do was make other people look but good. And that's all I tried to do was make other people look good. But Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and you told me that afterwards, and I thought that that was a great strategy. I yeah. really think that's a great, like, that's a good, like, thing if you can put on one, like, little tiny 3x5 index card. Like, just use other people's shit and make yeah. that and make that work. Uh, that's a great way to deal with not with improvisers that maybe you don't have as much confidence in. Yeah. Go the opposite way. Really use their stuff. Yeah. Challenge yourself to make their stuff golden. That's what the greats do. Yeah. That's you know who is really good at that? Jim Woods is really is really good at that. Right. You know, Everybody you know, says that about Jim Woods. He couldn't it's be true. more judgmental off stage. <laughs> you know, but on stage, man, he he's a he's, he's a true believer in improv. He'll do it. Yeah. He'll make you look good. You know, I love Jim, but like totally, absolutely, he'll he'll complain and grasp at anybody. Of course. Like, uh, but 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 in the scene, he ain't gonna do it. He ain't gonna yeah. let you. He ain't gonna let you know that that's happening. And yeah. that, and because I know that he's such a crank. Yeah. When when I, when I watch him, I really am impressed yeah. with his ability to do that. Everybody everybody mentions Jim, Jim Wood specifically. I've, I've heard him mention plenty of times for that uh, that that jamming. They seem at the jams at UCB. They do long hard improv jam, and uh, uh, yeah, you'll watch him just like with these people who are just terrible and. He's trying. He just does. He'll try yeah. so hard to do what they do. Often it works because he knows how to be funny and try to make Absolutely. it work. Absolutely, it's, it's great. I'm sure for him, that's like the that's the lifting the 50 pound. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of free weights, okay, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever. whatever. I don't. Yeah. Sure. Totally, I go to the gym line. But for him, that's the hardest possible weight to lift. Is yeah. like let's go and do a jam situation and try to. And <laughs> mad respect for that. Man, it's it's fun. It's yeah, tough. I try, I try, I try to do it. And there was a long, time, there was a good period in my improv. The first yeah, maybe seven or eight months, all I would do is go jam, jam all the time, jam all the time. And it, and I remember like I'm gonna no, I'm gonna work with whoever. I'm gonna do yeah. my best. And then I just like at a certain point, and you're like, thinking I'm gonna work with this guy. Yeah. At a certain point, <laughs> I was just like fuck it. Like no, you have no fucking respect for anything that well, I'm trying to do. I, do not walk on <laughs> my scene to say right. hey, this is an improv scene and it's stupid. I'll fucking kill you. Like well, I feel like that. yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's true because they say like, well, a great improviser can do a scene with anybody, and that's largely true. The spirit of that is true, but you're right. also going to have a hell of a time doing a scene with a homeless guy who just came in and be like, I got a joke for you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and run around like, 
That's hard to do, really. Let's it's be honest. A, that's a tough yeah. one to do a scene with. And a distinct uh, uh, likely possibility in Westwood that that's, that's going to happen. It's happened more than so, once. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. But don't see somebody who's actually uh, doing their best as a crazy homeless guy when really there is plenty of good stuff that they can give you and you probably can make it into a good scene. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we cast this person and somebody's like, ah, oh, he's full of shit. I can't use his stuff. All right, what do I got? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, though, by the way, about those auditions. I saw both your auditions and I will attest to the fact that your first audition, I'll be honest, like, yeah, you know, you made it on your team, but you, you know. Yeah. You, 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 we the, bar, took, the bar's loading we, we on took a, we took a lot of We took a lot of people and, and, and you didn't make the first draft, okay? Uh, just to be straight, you brought up the teacher that I hate. Uh, but on the second time around, the best guy in the room. No question. Yeah. No question. And uh, I was very curious to hear your mental process about that, which you, which you, I think you've explained a little bit here. Um, and I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. It's easy. It's, easy to, it's easy to do it when it's easy. Um, all right. Well, I think that's. Uh, that'll go ahead and wrap this up. Dan, uh, thank you, one for coming on. Sure, doing great. Absolutely. Uh, what can, what can we uh, tell everybody about that? Yeah, going uh, on. You mentioned. Uh, I got a couple of things that I do. Uh, so, if you want to look at some uh, sketches online, um, I have a video group called uh, Titled Sketch Project. Uh, Titled Sketch Project. You, uh, you can go uh, to titledsketchproject.com, and that'll take you right there. Yeah. And if you want to see the best sketch comedy in Los Angeles, yeah. Lost Moon Radio, yeah. check it out. Uh, we do live shows uh, like that every season. We've got a podcast that's coming out, but you can go to lostmoonradio.com uh, and check it out there. One of the big criticisms is that the website doesn't accurately convey how awesome our show is. <laughs> You've seen it, Stephen. What did you think of Lost Moon Radio? It was a really great show. Uh, yeah. Honestly surprised because I've seen shows go up in that type of uh, fashion and like, yeah, that's all right. Uh, but that was great. Yeah. It was really so good Lost Moon Radio I really love. Uh, so check out Titled Sketch Project and Lost Moon Radio. There you go. All right. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Woo. All right. There that was. That was Dan Oster. Uh, hopefully you learned a little bit about some, uh, maybe getting a little bit more organic with your improv. Uh, sure, it's not the, the, the UCB way, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's a little, it's a little foreign flavor. I'm going to try to keep on doing that. I'm going to try to bring some people in who aren't entirely UCB. I love UCB, but, uh, hey, there's other, there's other schools of thought out there. Uh, thank you all for listening. I don't have a new episode for next week yet, but I'm hoping I can pull it together. Guys, wish me luck. Thank you for listening. It's the golden age of improv. Happy improvising. We'll see you all next time. Hi. I'm Chad Westbrook. And I'm Nicholas Wagoner. And are you a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race? You should be. You very much should be. Come listen and subscribe to our podcast, How Is She Though? Where we recap every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Come and get your daily dose of vitamin gay, honey. Oh, cr- oh, cr- Mwah!